Welcome back to another episode of Who's Your Therapist? I'm your host, Ari Shapiro. What a time we're living in right now. Between the COVID pandemic and protests and everything going on in the world, it feels like we're amassing one collective trauma after another. I want to give a special shout out to our listeners in the States right now. I hope everyone is taking care of each other and doing okay. And that goes for everybody everywhere. I hope you guys are doing all right. For any of our listeners that might be interested in donating to a good cause right now, my guest on our last episode, Abby Rosen, and her clinic, The Healing Collective in Toronto, has spearheaded an initiative called Black Mental Health Matters and have collectively raised almost $200,000. So if you want to donate to that or find out more about how those funds are being allocated, there's a link posted on my Facebook page, Who's Your Therapist, and you can check that out there. If you're tuning into the show for the first time, I want to welcome you. This show has been a wonderfully poignant labor of love, at times tiring. I'm a one-man production team, but always fulfilling. And uh, I truly believe in what this show is trying to do. And what is it that you're trying to do? Well, I'm glad you asked. I'm trying to provide a safe and meaningful space for therapists to tell their stories. Because for all us therapists that don't bat an eyelash to tell our clients it's okay to talk openly about mental health, something doesn't sit right with me if therapists are too afraid to do that themselves. So we're trying to shift some of that stigma here by trying to create a bit of a collective. But this show isn't just for therapists. It's for clients. It's for anyone who's ever considered going to a therapist or anyone who's ever been curious. Do therapists struggle too? So in producing this show, my hope is that the notion of going to therapy or therapists become more relatable to people and brought down to earth, because I've said this before, we're all, at the end of the day, humans helping other humans, and we're more alike than you might think. Okay, uh, with that in mind, can I please tell you about my guest today? Okay, Uh, this is another one of my pre-COVID chats, so we got to be in the same room for this. Allison Moratis is on the show today. Allison is a private practitioner and the owner of Moratis Counseling and Consulting Services in Brantford, Ontario. She balances her clinical work with post-secondary teaching and clinical supervision, and most recently launched an online resource designed to help therapists wanting to create a successful private practice called the Practice Companion. So I look forward to sharing our conversation with you in just a second. Uh, This is going to be the second last episode of the season, which is completely arbitrary on my part, but I decided I was going to take a break after 10 episodes. But fret not, I plan to be back in the fall with all new guests and new episodes. Speaking of which, therapists, I'm going to talk to you for a moment. I'm working on a bonus COVID episode, and I want to know what it's been like to be a therapist during the COVID pandemic. I've heard a lot of people talking about feeling burnt out, others coming to some new realizations about themselves, whatever the case may be, whether it's struggles, triumphs, weird and wacky things, I want to hear from you. So if you'd like to contribute, 
you can find this post on the social medias, Who's Your Therapist on Facebook and Instagram, and write a brief story about your experience, or email it to the show here at ari at wytpod.com, and a number of stories will be selected to be part of the episode. Okay, I've talked enough. (laughs) For those of you who are still with me, please, uh, I'm looking forward to you enjoying this conversation and getting to know my guest today, Alison Moratis. Well, I think when we were talking, it feels like a long time ago. It does. We talked about that idea of being, I'm using finger quotes here, a therapist in the public eye. So like friends and family who know what you do for a living. Okay. And just that pressure to figure stuff out and not be silly or inappropriate or, you know, letting your hair down when you're not in the therapy room, which I know I'm, I'm going to say guilty of. That's what I do because I feel like I keep it together so well, I think it's well, during the week when I'm in the therapy room working with people, I'm a much better listener. I'm much more present. I don't, you know, chime in with, you know, sarcastic comments at all. You know, I'm a therapist. I I get it. And then I have to let it out when I'm in my real life. It's got to come out somehow. It's got to. And I know I have friends that say, I would love to sit in the room and see what you're like as a therapist because I can't picture it because I'm very different in my real life than I am as a therapist. Same. And lately I've been cracking a lot of jokes around my brother and the common responses I've been hearing is, oh, that's dark. Right. And I'm thinking, oh, (laughs) where am I I at right now? (laughs) Is it? Yeah, right, right. (laughs) Because that did not occur to me. Right. Dark, inappropriate, weird. Um, Right. You know? You know what? Okay, when when I was first getting into the field, I would do this thing where I would drive home from work at night. And in that time, just from having to have kept it together so astutely during the day and compress all that, all those other parts that you can't let out. I would drive home and I would just, part of my routine would be just to yell out every single curse word I could think of. Any combination was like, it was just such a vulgar car ride home. Right. But that was for me like blowing off steam. Totally. Yeah. So w- one of the things I, I think we had discussed is is the concept of how it can be a struggle to, I mean, I think you were saying it for yourself, but I relate to it just as much, the struggle to turn our brains off. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> that was a look of acknowledgement. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Say a little bit what that's like for you. I think anything relationship related is the hardest part where we're feeling lonely, vulnerable as a person where I'll use the I am feeling lonely or vulnerable. Yeah. Um it's hard not to Use your therapist's brain to analyze someone else's motives for saying a certain thing or doing a certain thing. Okay. Getting inside your head about what we know about communication and behavior and attachment and anxiety. Not overthinking stuff. Like if someone doesn't return your text and having the, oh, well, what's that mean? Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> we Everyone has those, and I think that's part of it. But I think when we have that extra layer of knowledge that lay people don't have, you have to be cognizant to not look into things too deeply. Right. So so where where does that come up primarily then? I think for me, as an adult forging friendships, yeah. I find that hard. Okay. 
I've never been a person who's great at forging really tight friendships with other women. I have close friends, but maybe not as close as I'd like them to be Mm -hmm. because I, I worry. And again, I wonder whether people worry that I'm analyzing them. (laughs) <laughs> or they're afraid to tell me stuff yeah, because they don't know what I'm going to do with it. And I try to be very clear with people that I'm not doing anything with it because I don't want to. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I'm off duty and I don't want to when I'm off duty. But I also know that when I've had conversations with friends who are having a struggle, I like to think they walk out of that conversation feeling better because I do, I think, listen like a therapist right 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 right. you know it's interesting as you're saying that I'm, I'm thinking about my own relationship with friends and i would say the majority of people that i'm friends with don't know me as a therapist and, right. and haven't known me as a therapist because we connected through playing music and so i, I think rarely has it ever come up and, and again I'm, I'm just guessing but I, I would be a bit surprised if they if they did feel like you were saying that maybe people feel like they have to hold back because what is he going, what is it going to get him thinking? Is he going to be analyzing me and stuff like that? Right. Yeah. And I think as the friendship deepens, people understand that that's not what you're doing. And, but not just that I could care less. Totally. <laughs> I love what I do, but I, I, I would hate if that was my persona in the rest of my life. Wouldn't it be exhausting if you had to be on all the time? Like, I can't fathom that. But that's the thing. My my brain is 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 so often on all the time too. Is it? Well, okay. I'll refine that a bit. For me, when when you talked about sort of struggling to turn the brain off, it very much comes down to romantic relationships. And for me, whether it's something that's left unsaid or something that we just haven't had a chance to discuss or hash out. Like, that's very easy, like, pathway to tailspin. Agreed. Yeah. Yeah. And again, I think some of that stuff comes with, finger quote, shoulds. Right. I should know better than to say that Mm. (laughs) or to not say that. And that's where I think I need to get better at just, like, putting that clinical or textbooky stuff out of my head and just be there for my person yeah, and stop beating myself up about not being able to figure it out. Right. Yeah. We talk that talk with our clients. It's very easy with that uh, therapeutic stance to say, yeah, they're shooting themselves to death. <laughs> <laughs> but you're shooting the bed. Exactly. Yeah. But in your own mind, in your own more so heart and your vulnerability that's where that that's where that true empathy comes with from with our clients. Yeah. If we're honest enough with ourselves and our own vulnerabilities, that's where people get it. Absolutely. But we have to acknowledge that we are a work in progress, which I think is really difficult. To acknowledge that for ourselves, you mean? Yeah. 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 And again, for me, that goes back to this whole idea of, of who we're supposed to be if we're a therapist. Right. All those things that come with, uh, you know, the all-knowing, all-seeing, the knowing better. And and I've really struggled with finding my own therapist, both past and present, because of that. Hmm. Okay. Is it judgy? Maybe. Well. <laughs> Am I? And again, I've 
evaluated people's interviewing styles. I've done these things as a job. I want to be able to find a therapist where I can go and just be. Yeah. And not be thinking, huh. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I think that is about connection. Well, absolutely. Because I think I would turn it off or have in the past turned it off when I'm just like in my own issue with my therapist, like I expect or hope my clients are. Mm -hmm. I just think I've, me, I find that layer harder to break through. Yeah. Than well, I think the average person does. Well, I was having this, this thought the other day that I, I wish I had all the money in the world that I could experiment with a few different therapists to see which one is actually going to be the best fit. Yes. Because, I mean, I've been very fortunate in my life, the times that I've met with a therapist personally, uh, they've generally been very good connects and, and very good experiences. I've had one or two, though, that were just miserable. Mm -hmm. But but these are these are the kind of things you kind of, you know, right off the bat. Right. Yeah. yeah. Like, it's almost like five minutes in, you're like, yeah, we're good. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I was I was saying... Uh, on, on, on some other episode that I did, there, there was one that I knew the moment this guy came to greet me in the waiting room, I knew right away. Me too. Yeah? I had that. And I was just like, oh, I don't want to sit through 50 minutes of this because I know it's not for me. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm curious to ask, and, and I have my own story to tell, but I'm curious to ask you, wait, maybe for a story of like one of your either worst experiences going to a therapist or best experiences going to a therapist. For, for me, I, I can, while you're thinking, I, yeah. I can say this was a guy that acknowledged me in the waiting room. And as soon as we had made contact and it was clear this is the guy I was seeing, he was off down the hall. Not walking with me or ahead of me. He was like, if you picture like a long corridor, he was like so far down the corridor that he had turned the corner and disappeared before I was even like barely out of the waiting room. I didn't know which office was his. Mm -hmm. I was like, what is this? This is just such bizarre behavior, I thought. And so I got into his office and sat down. And, and this was after uh, a major medical crisis that I'd gone through. And I sat down and I explained very clearly, okay, this is what I do for a living too. This is why I'm here. I'm here to discuss what I went through recently, what happened. And um, he went from like being in his therapist position sort of with his clipboard and blah 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 to slamming his clipboard down on the desk and he said okay well fine then talk wow yeah <laughs> huh and in that moment i was so taken aback but also not really feeling like in a position where i could just get up and leave mm -hmm. even though i kind of wanted to right but I knew right then and there, like I was, if I was going to get through this time we had together, I wasn't going to actually use it the way I wanted to use it. Right. That, that was probably the worst experience I've had. Hmm. It started the way I would say the worst one I had too was like, again, kind of going through this maze of a building to figure out where the guy was. Yeah. Sitting in the waiting room, not sure if I'm in the wait, right waiting room. I'm the only one there. Yeah. <laughs> um, no reception, a room. Yeah, And then again, he's a bit late and then a little flustered and then like leading me down this long hall. But again, way ahead of me. Yeah. So same type of thing. And again, that just really set the tone. Yeah. Like literally, I'm paying this person to hopefully hold my hand down a path and he's running ahead of me. <laughs> yeah. Like metaphorically. Well, yeah, and absolutely. Literally. Absolutely. Um, yeah. And then just to this was and again, 
this is the therapist brain thing because I'm already sitting here thinking, I wonder if my clients feel like that. If I'm already, you know, 10 minutes behind on the day and I'm rushed and mm-hmm. they're anxious sitting in the waiting room wondering if they're in the right place. Yeah. And then he's messing around with paperwork and, ugh, you know, it just was a real turnoff for the whole vibe. <laughs> but it was just, and I, and I hated the office. I hated it. Like it was messy and just not professional and it just the switch flipped like this isn't gonna work and like you i sat there thinking do i want to go through this whole 50 minutes yeah i did and yeah that was probably my worst in hindsight do you wish you had just said yeah this isn't working yeah i wish i would have said fuck you yeah and got up and left yeah like, I, I, I think I'm still angry about it. Yeah, mine was not necessarily a fuck you moment because I feel like the guy just didn't have it together. Like, it wasn't like, it, yeah, it was just not my vibe, not organized and professional. Yeah, and the other question I have for you is, what are your thoughts on being really transparent with your job at the very beginning? Because I've treated therapists or social workers who kind of weave that in later. Uh, I see, I see. Um that's a good question. I think most people that I've, I've gone to know that about me. And I think it's something that comes up actually off the top. It doesn't seem to be a bit of an issue. There, there was one person I, I worked with, though, for a few sessions. And I think I was the, the first therapist that she'd ever, quote unquote, counseled yep. before. And she was actually, in quite a lovely way, transparent with me. Uh, and it might have been like the second session to say... That was a new experience for her, and it actually got her feeling a bit anxious. Good. Right? I would, I would yeah. rather that. I would rather that. And for all the same reasons. Like, are they going to be analyzing how I work and what I say and having their own opinions and judgments on how to do this? Right. So it made sense to me, yeah. I like that. You know, another fellow that I had on the show said it really well. As therapists, it's not that we don't have reactions to things, and it's not that we don't have judgments to things. It's that we're good at knowing when it's going to be helpful and when it's not going to be helpful. That's lovely. Yes. Yes. Which, going circling back to where we started, I think that's where, in my real life, I don't do that. (laughs) Guilty, too. (laughs) Judge, say, people say to me, wow, you have no filter. I'm like... Yep. Yeah. <laughs> I don't I don't think I would know how to do that in my my everyday no. life. And I think keeping it together and doing that all day, I think for me heightens yeah. the no filter because I cuz we said earlier it has to come out. Yes. And I'm also because one of the things that on a tired, you know, hungry, angry, lonely, tired therapy day mm-hmm. is the slowness of people's process sometimes. Like yeah. I can get impatient where I'm just like Dude, we've been talking about this for six months. Let's go. Inside the headphones. Yeah, yeah, of course, of course. In real life, I would be more apt to say that. Yeah. To a person. (laughs) And maybe not wait six months to say it. (laughs) Oh, six minutes if we're lucky, right? (laughs) Right. So I have friends that say, yeah, wow, I can't believe you said that. Or sometimes, you know, thank you for saying that. I'm glad somebody in the room said it. I'm usually that person in the room that says, like, come on, folks, are we going? What's happening? You know, stop doing that. Yeah, it had to be said. Someone has to say it. And I think that heightens that ability to just, in real life. Because, again, 
And I prize that. Like, let's, I really feel like we all need to be more honest in our relationships. Like, I think there are people, and again, it goes back to how you were raised, how your family operated. I personally came from a very outgoing forward family. Okay. So that's. What, what, what does that mean? Uh, that we just tell, it's a tell it like it is family. Okay. okay. It, it, for good, bad, and otherwise. Yeah. Sometimes it works well, sometimes it doesn't. But we're, we're like that. Whereas my husband's family is not. They're very loud. The Greek family, typical my big fat Greek wedding family, very mm-hmm. loud, very close. But when there's big stuff, let's just put our head in the sand and hope it goes away when we pull the head back out. Yeah, that makes me crazy because we got to call it. Mm-hmm. And I very much identify with your way of going about it. Yeah. Yeah. And again, is that therapist? Is that me? Combination of both, probably. Well, you know, part of it for me, and, and this goes back to my own experience of anxiety, is when you, when you don't call it and you don't name it and you don't address it, there's a part of me that gets a little bit worried then what's going to happen. Right. Or what's going to happen to it, which then becomes what's going to happen to us. So that that's a little bit of my own spin with that. I have said that to my husband before when we're in social situations where something is happening. Like I've said to him, I can like physically feel it coming up my body. Like it, it's like I have to let it out. Like it's, I've said to him, like, because he's like, ah, maybe you shouldn't have just like, you know, you should have kept that on the down low. I, I can feel it. I, I could just, it's almost involuntary sometimes where I'm just like, blah, got to say it. Because <laughs> <laughs> I just... I can't stand it. Yeah. And I, it's something I'm working on. It's like reading people in my personal life better because I'm comfortable with them. I feel like I can say it. And sometimes I think, yeah, that probably came up. It's a little harsh. They weren't ready to hear that right, yet, right. which I wouldn't do in my therapist chair. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I, there was someone I dated in my 20s who once said to me, you know, you don't have to talk about everything. Oh, my goodness. Can you relate? My children? Yeah. <laughs> I, I have all boys. So I live in a house of men. Sorry to generalize about men. but That, that was my mom's experience too. Yes, right? tending not to want to process, finger quotes, everything. Uh, um, I, and as they become teenagers, I, I get told that on a daily basis. I have one who is a very inside the head kind of guy. And I know when he's upset, we're very similar. And I'm like, what's up, buddy? What? Mom, I'm fine. I know you're not fine. Mom, please stop asking. They say that. To me. Please stop asking questions. Yeah, yeah. Why do we have to process this? Or we're not doing therapy. That's the, the new thing. We're okay. not doing therapy. <laughs> However, that can be turned around like, Mom, you're a therapist. Can you help me figure this out? It's just about the timing. Right. Absolutely. <laughs> or can you figure that person out? But yes, I, I'm told that a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Because <laughs> I think it's what we do. We process it and we like to gather information. And again, like what you mentioned, that anxiety of what if I don't say it? What if this doesn't get put out there? What's going to happen next? We, we collect information. We assess situations. There's some things that I'm curious to ask, but, uh, but one in particular is talking more about mental health and wanting to know a little bit about what some of your story is when it comes to what, what some of your journey has been like and, and what kind of things you maybe relate to most people would come to us to talk about oh that's a good one my initial movement toward being a therapist came from going to a therapist as a a kid i don't remember how old i was like 11 12 
um, when my parents were divorcing mm-hmm. and I had a great therapist and he really motivated me and kind of, I could touch base with him over the years when I was in oh, school wow. and say, you know, what do you think about this? Um, or, and he encouraged me to go into the field. So that's kind of where it started. And then on a personal level, I have kind of mood disorder on one side of the family and undiagnosed personality disorder on the other. Oh, okay. So I'm cognizant of that. And again, there's the therapist brain stuff when I say undiagnosed. Yeah. yeah, uh, yeah. Because (laughs) I can look at a couple family members and go, yeah, borderline. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, and, and, and experience hurt and pain from those folks mm-hmm. um, and mood disorder, feeling that, again, that feeling the acute, your own feeling that pain before you see it yeah. from the folks who are depressed. And, sure. So that to me has been part of my journey. And again, being hyper aware of, am I depressed? Sure. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And then so... Going back to, to the topic of depression for a second, I, I think you've talked about in the past the difference between capital D depression and lowercase d depression. Yep. So which which one do you find yourself bumping up against most? Probably, probably lowercase d, verging on uppercase, but I've really tried to cultivate a self-awareness of why that's happening. Sure. And again, it, I hate to use the refrain, but it does go back to the self-care stuff. Again, the DIY therapy stuff, not practicing what I preach. So if I've had a particularly difficult interaction with a family member who's tough to manage, I'm keeping it in my head and I'm heart and I'm not journaling it. Yeah. I'm not, I can't find anybody to talk to about it right? that says, yeah, I get it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm sorry that happened to you. Like it's, the usual, yeah, but that's what they always do. They you know what that is, brush it off. I'm not using my skills yeah, or finding, yeah, yeah. and this is where in the market for a therapist who helps just give you that outlet and not tell you it's going to be okay, creates that awareness of, okay, how are you managing this if this is a part of your life? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, and in, in thinking that same question that I asked you, I would say there, there's definitely a period in high school and and maybe the beginning, you know, year or two of university, it definitely like capital D depression was was there. Mm. But I think I, I, I kind of bump up against it at times the, the lowercase D in my life. And you're right, so much of it has to do with self care. And so I'm curious for for you, what what's the first thing that starts to go sort of having to be in the in the throes of whether it's depression or just something that's you know, some intense emotion. Me too. It's not only depression, it's anxiety. Um, well, I'm glad you mentioned that. Yeah. 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 Um, and the weird thing is I've noticed about myself over the past few years is I would always have characterized myself as an introvert. And is, has that changed? Um, I feel like it might be morphing. Huh. Because I do find I get down when I'm not around people. And I didn't even think as far back as high school when you asked me that question about mental health. But I recall being in high school and going like grade 11, just kind of pulling away from everybody. Like I was sick and tired of high school bullshit. And I just wanted to like get my grades and move on to a new life in university. And I just stopped going to the parties and, you know, get involved in the drama. Okay. Um, Because it made me anxious. 
it was one layer of stuff I had to deal with every day. Okay. And again, being type A, I wanted to get good grades and I would just be like, oh my God, I don't want to talk about this anymore. I don't want to talk about boys. I don't want to talk about, you know, who's drinking and who's doing what. So that was my first thing. So I, I did realize I got more energized by just doing my own thing. Yeah, yeah. But, and, and so then now, I as the past few years, I've been like, you know, to my husband, we got to call somebody to go out. We got to, <laughs> you know. And again, is it being married for 22 years? Maybe uh, you want to, you know, just have another person to talk to. But it, it, I've, I've become more energized. So if I have a, a weekend or a long weekend or even over the holidays, I was like, oh, I'm going to get out. Right. And it's counterintuitive because I do leave my work some days and go, I won't talk to anybody. Sure. I'm done. Well, so it's a weird thing. And if I have too many days like that, I find I am in my head way too much. So stuff I'm worried about turns into stuff I'm anxious about. Yeah. Stuff I'm feeling insecure about turns into lower caste D depressed about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think that that's something very real that probably a lot of us have to navigate, but I certainly have to navigate too because... I do consider myself to be introverted uh, and maybe that will start to shift at some point too. But for me, it's the recognition that, that being out and about and around people uh, is really tiring for me. Exhausting. But also knowing that too much time away from people becomes very depressing. Mm -hmm. oh, and I don't even know if depressing is the right word, but something about my whole being starts to shift. Yeah, I was as you said, depressing, and we've been kind of using that word depressed, is it loneliness, isolation? Is it because our hearts and minds spin? At a, I, I, I always describe myself that I vibrate at a different frequency hmm. than the average person. Okay, being a therapist, like I'm, like we talked about earlier, being more attuned to like it's almost like you feel this force field of like somebody's stuff, their pain, their whatever. So that frequency is it that we need to address it and nourish it because we're vibrating at that frequency when we're alone right that we've uh -huh. turned it we've turned the volume down on it but we haven't pressed the pause button on it so can you say say a bit more about that because I'm, I'm i'm i think i'm getting it but i'm not totally clear but it's also feeling like it's resonating okay so like say you have like a busy week and you're looking forward to your weekend and just doing your thing and being on your own and then something descends on you where you're just feeling like out of sorts. And then you start thinking about an interaction you had with somebody or something you're worried about. It's like things for me just amplify. Like stuff that I had maybe quietly put to bed on Friday night and go, yeah, that's for Monday. Yeah. And then I just, when I have too much time on my own, I just start ruminating about it. Okay. Or... A relationship that's not going the way I want it to. Maybe if I said this, or I shouldn't have said that, or should, you know, what it could have should us. It just spins, and then that's that whole frequency of vibrating of like, stop it. Yeah. And I'm not doing what I would have told my clients to do. Like that's when I haven't turned the music on. Uh, right. Um, right. When I haven't, often I I try to give my week weekends to be a less structured exercise. So I will very likely drink coffee and hang out in the morning and then I can be like one o'clock being like, oh my gosh, I got to go do something. Right. And if I don't listen to that, mm -hmm. then that's when the volume turns up Absolutely. My, my biggest detriment is when I'm literally sitting in one place. Oh, good Lord. And, and, be, and so my thing now is like, just, just move. And it's, it's figuratively, but it's literally too. Mm -hmm. Because as soon as I get glued into one spot, it, it sort of becomes the fertile ground for all these thoughts Spin. to become huge and then the huger they get 
the more it just kind of sinks you in, or for me anyways, the more it just sinks me into that seat. Precisely. And it yep. becomes hard to move. Hard to move. And and again, I think partially we need to lean into that. Okay, yeah. And cry or whatever, but not for too long. As we would say, tell someone who's depressed, you know, I often say, set a timer on it. Right. Or my cry in the shower remedy. Mm-hmm. Um, because you realize how people descend into that. Yeah. And that... As I'm saying that, that to me is the plus side of being a therapist. The awareness? The awareness. Yeah. And also knowing more tricks and tools you can pull out to say, okay, okay, Ari, you don't want to do this, but go do it and see how you feel after. Yeah. I think you would have that inner dialogue more readily than someone who's never been to therapy and just doesn't know why they feel like crap all the time. Yes. And and, and yet, I, I'm going to say this, and yet... Uh, although I agree with you, uh, there's something about depression in particular, and, and th- this isn't my idea. Somebody said this to me, and it made so much sense that the things that you know to do to uh, relieve or re- alleviate some of the depression become precisely the things that are hardest to do. Correct. I would agree with that. And it's so insidious in that way. That's the whole thing. And I mean, I've certainly f- experienced a little bit of burnout in in treating depressed folks because that you start to feel that feeling of hopelessness as a therapist because like you're you're trying and it doesn't seem to be working so you can only imagine how it feels for the client Mm -hmm. so so i've come to realize and 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 for me it it doesn't necessarily start with what we were talking about lowercase d depression i think for me a lot of what can spin into depression like temporary depression or anxiety starts with feeling overwhelmed Oh. And, I, and I've and i noticed this year, uh, one of the first signs that that's starting to go in that direction is when I stop filling up my, my Brita filter in my fridge. <laughs> it's just the first thing that it's, goes. It's like the first thing that goes. Whereas, you know, on a day-to-day basis, it'll be topped up. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh, I haven't filled this up for like two weeks now. Oh, okay. Maybe I need to pay attention to something. I think you had written on one of your social media pages something about things that you've you've learned this year in 2019. And it might have been a call out to people to say maybe four things that you learned this year. I wanted to ask you the same question. Uh, what's something that you learned about yourself this this past year? Well, I entered into a coaching group with other therapists who are wanting to scale their practice into stuff beyond just therapy. And that piece of vulnerability is what I worked on this year. Um, So being in this group and we would meet like twice a week and then, you know, we're wanting to market ourselves. So get there on, out there on social media. That was terrifying for me. How so? Um, Just the whole social media and like haters and uh. saying stuff and having people like we talked about earlier question it and que- and then feeling very personally attacked on that i think that's going to be my project this year too so hard yeah well that's 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 the thing that occurred to me too that doing something like this that does get out to the public eye people are going to have all sorts of reactions and comments and things to say and they might not all be f- favorable mm-hmm. and i can be very sensitive 
I'm acutely sensitive. Right? So so <laughs> I'm 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 almost bracing myself or preparing myself mentally uh to come across some shit that's that's really gonna be uh unfavorable mm-hmm. and, and potentially really upsetting. And and in a way, maybe this is a, a bit of my own DIY project to help sort of get a bit of a thicker skin. Mm-hmm. I have other folks in my coaching group that just started it you know, banged it out there, started doing Facebook Live, started doing all these things. And I was just sitting there like in the fetal position going, there is no way in hell I'm yeah. doing a Facebook Live. Yeah, yeah. Like five people max may watch it and go, oh yeah, where's the next one? Like not giving it another thought. Yeah. Like, and, you, and you know what I'm more likely to notice if they do kind of hum and haw and screw up? I'd be like, oh man, that's so brave of them to do that because I would feel so scared absolutely. to like... You know, what people are going to judge about me. Do I, yeah. Do I ever in my internal dialogue say, what an idiot? Like, why are they doing that? They're not equipped to do that. No, I'm more the empath and say, wow, yeah, you made I, a mistake and you just kept going. I wish. Amazing. I, yeah. God, I wish I could do that. That's right. <laughs> and, 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 you know, a colleague of mine, a musical colleague, he, he, he used some pretty crude language at the time which i i may not say now but it, it i enjoyed it at the time but his message was basically if you're going to screw up screw up big love it and don't sort of timidly kind of meander around the, the part that you're going to play because you're a little unsure give it and if you screw up screw up big i love that yeah because you're doing some therapy here right now okay um because where's it taking you if I dip my toe in and make a mistake. I am far more inclined to just not go in the pool. Ah. Ever. Okay. <laughs> or at least for now. Um, so why not jump in? And then, and again, I'm very much into, I'm not going to say I'm a pessimist, but I'm very much into the what's the worst thing that could happen. But not in that therapeutic, like, let's like put that on the table and then know that quite likely that's not going to happen. Right. I don't take it further than that. <laughs> <It's> just, <laughs> this is going to happen. Yeah. Absolute crash and burn, humiliation, professional reputation, completely, yeah. you know, like... Shattered. Stop it. Yeah. <laughs> Which I would literally say to a client if they were saying that. Yeah. Like, yeah. take the risk, man. Go. But my internal dialogue stops at that, the arrest development of like, bang, mm-hmm. catastrophic, dumb. So yeah, I, I don't know. I used to think when I was younger that there's there's a point of arrival where I'll get there and then these oh. things that were a problem won't be a problem anymore. Mm-mm. And uh, and I've come to hit, you know, bump up against that barrier so many times, enough to realize, and it doesn't make it easier to do this, but enough to realize that uh, most of it is you just got to just do it. Right. Whatever it is, however it goes, just do it. Right. And I think, and yeah. And that's the cannonball. Exactly. And erroneously, when you're young, well, not all, but I certainly was like that. I'll get there. You know, when this happens, then that. Oh, my God. Why? It's so, it's terrible I think what I, you do to yourself. I think I erroneously had that belief in into my early 30s. Oh, yeah. Easy. Yeah. Yeah. And I still do. There are still things where I say, you know, and now it's like the older I get, it's it's the bigger. Right, right. What about today? But it is, I think, very important to to have some idea what the what the destination might look like. Mm-hmm. And, and right now, behind you, I'm looking at this puzzle I know. that I started doing, and I'm looking at the box that's propped up of, of what the puzzle is supposed to look like. And 
I, I had this conversation recently with uh, with a woman that I met, and it was completely. We were not talking about therapy, but I love the metaphor so much. Nuggets. Yeah. Yeah. She was saying, you know, when it comes to putting a jigsaw puzzle together, if you have no idea what it's supposed to look like, like you can kind of do it. You could figure it out and find your way around it. it. Might take a really long time, but it doesn't mean you can't get there. But all of a sudden, you start to have an idea of what it's supposed to look like when it's done. All of a sudden, getting there becomes so much more possible and so much quicker that I love to now use that metaphor in therapy to get a sense of what is it that you're hoping to get out of this? And I mean, I've always had these questions in mind, sort of some of these, what would be an indication that we're moving in the right direction. But now to be able to say, it's kind of like when you're putting a puzzle together. I love bringing in that metaphor. That's a beautiful metaphor. And interestingly, I noticed your puzzle when I sat down and thought, dude... Good for you, because I've never been a puzzle person. Oh, yeah? And as we're saying this, I'm thinking, why have I never been a puzzle person? <laughs> so, so what about that made you go, like, good for you, though? Because I just think, it, it's kind of everything, It's that's a lovely segue. It, everything we've talked about, like, you're obviously able to do this whenever. Oh, and this leave is good it, therapy leave for it me un, now. Right? You leave it undone, and it doesn't bother you. Maybe it does, but it doesn't No, it, seem, it doesn't at I all. I assume that you haven't, it doesn't because it's sitting there undone there's that's a piece of your piece of your life where you can do a little bit of work on it feel i'm assuming you feel some sense of accomplishment and then you walk away and do something else yes and i find with puzzles yeah i think i find them frustrating and that i that's where something where i would say i gotta get this done at all cost so so this is you're pointing me in a, in a new direction to think about this right with a puzzle the, there's an expectation i already have built in that it's not going to be done and figured out in one shot. Mm -hmm. The expectation is it's going to take multiple revisitings of it before it's anywhere near complete. And maybe that's what the difference is in, in some of these other areas of, of my life or other people's lives. The, the expectation or, or sometimes maybe the anxiety can fuel the expectation that yes. this needs to be figured out now. Yes. This is like a new podcast. Bing. Therapist doing therapy on each other together therapists helping therapists <laughs> <laughs> yes yeah because i really strongly believe and i think we talked about this when we first met about therapists just taking that damn mask off and i think you have to walk the walk if you're going to talk that talk and yeah. be good with it and again you you so beautifully touched on it today about that being part of my journey um, when you asked me what I've been working on and it, it you know, just flowed into that. Yeah. Um, this to me fits, oh my gosh, it's so perfect. Another puzzle piece. Of, <laughs> <laughs> of, for me, yeah. this has been, and I'm not joking, therapeutic and positive and tweaked some things for me emotionally and mentally. And um, I don't really want to censor too much of it. Good. Thank you for having me. That was amazing. It's been delightful. Okay, cool. Okay okay folks that was my conversation with allison be sure to check her out online at moratuscounseling.com and thepracticecompanion.com hit me up with your pandemic stories at ari at witpod.com if you appreciated this episode and want to give back to the show you can share this on social media or go to the apple podcast app and leave us a five-star rating and review 
there's no budget for this show. Everything is out of pocket. So if you want the show to continue, as I do, that's how you can show your support and show some love. I look forward to seeing you back here in a few weeks for the last episode of the season. And it'll be a good one. Uh, Until then, please continue to be good to yourself and others. And keep fighting the good fight. And we'll see you soon. Bye for now. Thank you.